So this morning we have a closure, and like all endings, it's appropriate to do this uh, consciously and uh, carefully, collecting, collecting, creating a form, and then separating, or apparently separating anyway, <laughs> a lot of karma. We'll take a step at a time. The first thing to uh, to uh, bring to mind is to recognize we haven't actually, we've been through this retreat, and we haven't, us three up here, haven't actually said who we are yet, or introduced ourselves. <laughs> Since, <laughs> I think you've got, you've figured it out after a while. <laughs> but just to briefly redress that, uh, so... <laughs> <coughs> so I'm I'm Ajahn Suchito, <laughs> and uh, I I went forth in uh, 1975 in Thailand and spent a very brief period there, really three years, mostly in one monastery. Uh, so my practice then was using the um, Mahasi Burmese Satipatthana method. So I was using that, and then I, after three years, I went home because my father passed away. So I went back to Britain, and I I'd, I'd had met Ajahn Sumedha up in in the northern Thailand one time. So I had this vague contact because he was in London. So I went to London in 1978, 78, and met him, and then through fortunate karma, fortunate confluence, decided I'd stay stay there with him. Stayed there, and the next year we started the, <coughs> the forest monastery at Chithurst yeah. with a, a few other monks and uh, aspirant nuns. It's very, very small and a little fledgling thing then. And so then that started in 79, and then it kind of started to unfold and develop as his Ajahn Sumedho's teaching and presentations gained interest and then Steve started coming into the monastery and so on. So it grew into establishing several monasteries <coughs> throughout uh, Europe and even in New Zealand and uh, so on. Yeah. And then I, uh, so I went to, helped him out, went to Amrawadi in 84 to help there, which was the Oh, it was Chithurst Monastery, it was much too, getting too crowded. So we thought we'd start a place where there'd be more room for retreats and so forth. So I went there, helped him out. And then in 92, he asked me to be the abbot of Chithurst Monastery. And so as a, he was my teacher, I naturally agreed. And uh, then became the kind of confusing and sometimes quite painful process of fathering, which you didn't know was you didn't know how to do it. <laughs> sort of being in that position since 1992, and uh, so that's what I've been doing. And it's on one level quite uh, yeah, quite a workout. Enough said. <laughs> uh, so you see, uh, uh, our, our lives has gone forth. People is not. We're not doing. Medi- we do retreats, but that's as you guessed. You know, we don't just sit there doing retreats. We're communities. Yeah. Um, and uh, then so uh, this time I'm now um, resigning from being the abbot as I'm getting old, older, old enough to move into grandfather and uh, <laughs> yeah and so just all the management all the details just no I, I can't can't I can't process it anymore just don't and it's also good to let other people come in and bring new energy in so I'm resigning from that and so it doesn't mean per se that I'm not disrobing and uh, and I'm not kind of not, I'm not. Refi- res- res- I'm not retiring from teaching. So just to 
kind of mention that. But what I am doing uh, next year is having a year break, take the wheels off, and uh, just to really be quiet, a bit more quiet. As you, you can recognize anything you do, there's a certain innate identification that occurs with that. So it's just really helpful, I think, to be able to just not be a teacher for a while and let that all settle and then see what comes out of that. But hopefully, if the karma's right, in this life or the next, we'll meet again. told it this way. Yeah, as you all gathered, that's me, Sister Meta, Ajahn Meta here. <laughs> um, I, I'd like to start with kind of, t- uh, especially to those of you who I didn't meet in my interview groups, um, I arrived late here, and that was not because um, I was lazy or I just kind of didn't make it in time. (laughs) I was actually in Japan before I came here for the wedding of my son. And his wedding was like yesterday, a week ago. So there was no way I could be here in time. But um, I I came as quick as I could. And I also, like, I didn't expect to come in and then get sick and all this. But I hope, uh, anyway, anyway, that was, like, I gave what I could. Um, In terms of my monastic background, I started, or, like, I encountered the Buddhist path while I was in Thailand. I spent about... Uh, half a year in Achan Buddhadasa's monastery, Watson Mok, in the south of Thailand. And while I was there, the wish to become a nun came up for me. And I didn't trust it immediately. I didn't actually actually want it <laughs> immediately. Also wanting it because of seeing the difficult situation of the women in Thailand, like the Mechis. And I was pretty sure I couldn't do that. But then while I was in the monastery, in Ajahn Buddha Dasa's monastery, I heard that there were monasteries in England where women could go and train. And so I came back from Thailand. I settled back in, in Germany at first and then I explored, and I then I went to Amaravati, and I spent a month there, and I didn't tell anybody why I came there. <laughs> I just really, I just really wanted to check it out and see how is it to to be in a monastery, like how how are the nuns there, and what do they do, and how do they train, and all that. So. And after having spent the months there, I was very clear, this is what I wanted to do. And that was then in end of 92. And in the beginning of 93, in February, I came back. And since then, I'm living monastic life. I went through the whole thing of becoming, uh, at first being there as a lay guest, and then becoming anagaika, and then finally... Siladara. I'm a Siladara since 96. And I very much love this way of life. I think for those of us who it fits for, it's an absolute blessing. And I also, I think Ajahn Suchito mentioned <laughs> yesterday, or Ajahn Jayanto, I don't know anymore. Um, like, when you enter this life, you feel, like especially we Westerners, we feel so idealistic about it. And I think we all go through the time where like, you feel like you have to let go of everything 
even your highest ideals, and especially those about yourself. And that's a blessing. It really is. So just to say, well, I'm really happy I'm a nun, and I'm also very much enjoying living at the same monastery as Ajahn Suchito since almost two years now, and being around his teachings and just his, his beingness. <laughs> it's, it's beautiful, and it's nourishing, and it's, it's yeah, something really special. And that's me. <laughs> So, um, my monk's name is Gianto, so imagine Gianto. And um, this, is, uh, this is becoming a more familiar place for me to come now, um, because I'm originally from the Boston area, and I started my own uh, journey in this tradition here at IMS. So, that was back in 1989, and um, everything was a little less smooth, a little less um, perfectly institutionally organized, and yet um, uh, very much the same in many ways. There was a, a, a great um, interest in, in the Dhamma and atmosphere of, of practice here. And I had come because I was in university at the time. I was 21 and, uh, or 22, I suppose, when I arrived here. And I had seen that the spiritual life somehow uh, entering the the realm of the heart and that there was a path to follow and I was very interested in doing that. So it was just a hundred percent, okay, put, a, put aside university, put aside career, just how do I follow that? And this was the first step. I had the good fortune of um, having a mother who was interested also in, in, in Dhamma practice, who's here with us today, and uh, she directed me towards CIMC and then also IMS, and my parents sponsored a retreat here with Christopher Titmus, thinking that, uh, that because I had sort of social, social action type tendencies, Christopher Titmus at the time might be a good choice, because he would mix in seven days of Vipassana meditation with a weekend of environmental awareness discussions and things like this. But it was the Vipassana meditation that that interested me, and really just so much so I just wanted to 100% go into this as much as I could. And the journey to the monastery was one where I asked the teachers here um, where I could go to do it full-time, and they recommended Ajahn Sumedho in England. And I hadn't met any of the monks or nuns, but uh, as these things happened, there was someone here just at that time who was preparing himself to go and become a novice there, so he helped me do it all very easily. And uh, so since 89, I've been part of the community, and, and uh, the first eight years were spent training at various monasteries in, in England. Ajahn Suchito was my first real mentor teacher. I, I came into the monastery and became, a, as we say, an Anagarika sort of postulant with Ajahn Sumedho, and he promptly went off for a long retreat in India. And it was Ajahn Suchito then who, who trained us during the the bleak days of the old Amaravati retreats, where it was, uh, it's also a lot more comfortable, smooth, and institutionalized these days in our monasteries than, than those, uh, those sort of pioneering years. But I have fond memories, and, and, and uh, after a couple of years of novicehood, I went to train in the various monasteries. They used to, in, in quotes, invite us to move from monastery to monastery, and one had the feeling that the the senior members of the community would get together and deal us like cards. Like, <laughs> I have a driver and you have a cook and you have a builder and you have a secretary type person. But it was all in good, um, good heart and I certainly felt supported and I, I felt very grateful for it. So when it came time to sort of explore my own training in the ways that we do in our tradition after seven or eight years, um, it's seen as more appropriate to take uh, responsibility for your own practice, and so I took the opportunity to go to Asia and um, practiced in various of our monasteries and other places in Thailand and and uh, and other countries for about another eight years. 
before coming back to England in 2006, which actually is eight years ago. So I seem to do things in eights. Um, because this year I'll be um, uh, probably moving back here uh, in a couple of months. There's, uh, as many of you know, uh, over, over a, a good number of years, there have been interested people here inviting our community to start a monastery in New England. And um, in recent years, I started to respond a little more positively. In the past, I'd come back and people would, would say, well, you're from Boston, and uh, you know, we, you could do it. And I would, um, I'd say, yeah, yeah, good idea. Hope you find a good monk and, and go off again. But uh, the time seems to be right, and for various reasons, I, I feel um, I'd like to support that. And uh, so we have a we, we the, myself and another monk, as some of you know, were here in Boston last year for three months uh, in a temporary rented uh, place in Alston, going on alms round, doing our little you know monk routine with pujas in the morning and and uh, talks from time to time, and and mainly just living there. And uh, and interest was was high, and so we've we've now um, uh, identified a property in in uh, Temple, New Hampshire, and uh, actually the owners of the property are Buddhists and are actually here with us today. And uh, we're going to start by renting in July and and, uh, and just take it as it comes. Where where uh, there's a there's a foundation that's been created in order to steward any donations towards the project. Um, called Jada Grove, and so they've uh, agreed to rent at first with a with a looking to to purchase um, uh, as 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 time goes on, and hopefully um, uh, we can do that. So we're 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 coming in July, myself and another monk or two, um, and everyone's welcome. If you'd like to drop in, if you're in the area, there's um, there's a website which you can find information from, and I think there's going to be some leaflets out there too, but it's easy to remember. Uh, forestmonastery.org. So, um, if you want to keep in touch with the what's happening, you're very welcome to. But I feel also, um, just on a personal uh, level, coming back here over the years since this is where I started and have come back here, Ajahn Suchito has been kind enough to invite me when he's been invited over the years, um, and just to see the the development of of interest and experience in people here in terms of dhamma practice. And it's very, very uplifting for me as well. Just kind of conferring on the order of events. <laughs> and now is the time to um, offer the refuges and precepts. Um, so this time, people would like to uh, formally commit to the three refuges and the five precepts. Now is the time to do so. And I'm, I'm pretty certain some of you are very familiar with how to request the precepts and refuges. So... Um, if someone would like to do that on behalf of the group and people who uh, know how to, to do that, the bowing and the chanting and so forth. If you're not familiar with it, it is in the book um, somewhere. Sorry? What page? Yes, yeah, page uh, 50, 50, 56 through 9. Yeah, so yeah, 56, 57, 58, 56 through 58 is the five precepts. Uh, and we do that in Pali, and then uh, the precepts themselves we do in Pali, and then in English.
Saranam Gachami <coughs> Dhammang Saranam Gachami Sangang Saranam Gachami Dutiyampi Buddhang Saranam Gachami Dutiyampi Dhammang Saranam Gachami Dutiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Buddhang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Sangang Saranang Gachami Dinatana where a manesika padang samadhyami. Kame sumicha chara where a manesika padang samadhyami. Mutsawadaha, <coughs> Mani Panchasika Padani, Silena Sukating Yanti, Silena Bogasam Pada, Silena Nebuting Yanti, Tasma Silang, we sotaye. Point uh, having the refuges and precepts that creates a nice form one can live in. It helps once you have something definite and formed. It means you can kind of loosen up other things, you know, the fear, the the performance, the judgments, and so forth. You know, just you you know you're in the right place. It just takes time for this to all, you know, um, shake down. <laughs> So uh, also I invited uh, uh, 
us all off on the teaching platform, my colleagues, just to offer a friendly words of encouragement or advice. It's not a formal talk, but just uh, uh, we've all been together, so it's natural we want to express our best wishes to you all and uh, in a kind of friendly way. Uh, and certainly it's, uh, you know, I have to really begin with my companions here and uh, thank them for their support and uh, encouragement and uh, pretty much, um, you know, so we're often doing this spur of the moment stuff, you know, like, I don't know, what do you think? Okay, we'll just do <laughs> <laughs> Make it up as we go along. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's like looking at a duck, you know, you look at a duck on the pond, it looks pretty calm, and the, the legs are going like crazy. <laughs> paddling along. <laughs> so and it's great because you know we just keep you know tossing things around about, you know and trying to figure out how to do it and and so on anyway um, so absolutely and also the retreat uh, the managers and the the guppiers who just silently with smiles oh, you know just do the tidying up and pick up your debris and <laughs> bring in the the uh, supplies and so forth and the retreat manager, Roberto, who's been sort of uh, doing the logistics, which is certainly not my strong point, <laughs> and knowing, knowing how to try to fit all this into, into this situation. So much animal dana for them, and also for yourselves, animal dana, uh, well done, learning from you all, listening to you, encouraging, heartwarming, and uh, that's, it's, it's yourselves who help to really bring the teachings forth. I, I can't I can't teach there isn't anybody there, can I? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, this is Sangha, really the whole dimensionality of it, this ongoing thing that's been going on for millennia of you know, of this human thing, this human aspiration, this human care and, and concern vehicle just moving around as we try to support, help each other, encourage, remind, you know, and that's that's mutual. Yeah. So, another thing I'd like to say, I mean, you know, I think we talked about refuges quite a bit and encouragement, but <coughs> just to, if you're coming out of this particular formal situation, yeah, just to remind, remind us all that there's a, uh, something we're, we've been doing yeah, all the time. And, uh, I'd like to bring up to make this called, this called the verb is called to human. We've been humaning. <laughs> and humaning generally means you try to do something and you don't quite know how to do it. So you fumble and you kind of knock against something and you get it right for a bit and then you lean too far to the left so you turn around to the right and then you've forgotten what you were doing and then you try again. You have this moment when it gets right and then it doesn't last very long so you get to, and then you try again. This is called humaning. <laughs> and it applies to, as far as I can see, to all, all walks of life. Uh, and, uh, you know, so really, you, know, you start to kind of put aside the, as Ajahn Mehta, the ideals, the ideologies, the perfectionism, the self-criticism, and realize you, you're, you're humaning. And this, this teaching is for humans, to human properly. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, a teaching for gods and humans to do their humaning. Yeah. So may we all human uh, in a conducive way and not forget our humanity and our fellowship with each other. So which way should we take this? Yeah. Yeah, in in the end of a time like this, it it feels like almost we have gone together in into one something. <laughs> you know, it it feels like yes, we are still of course individuals, but in some ways we have been bonding, and when 
And what I find so fascinating, how that happens in silence. How that happens in silence actually on a much deeper level than when we are talking and and exchanging and whatever, you know. It's it happens somewhere else. And like and when and when we are leaving from here, it feels almost like okay, yeah, you leave you kind of leave that behind. Um, what I what I like to maybe yeah, I think it's it's kind of a reminder. What what I really loved about Achan Suchita was bringing I mean lots of his teachings, of course, but bringing in the reminder to look at beauty, to see when it is happening in your life, to see when it's present, when it comes in, to to value the beautiful, to value that what is uplifting you. We so easily get drawn, and I know it for myself too, get drawn into negativities, into what's not perfect, what could be different, and how should I, or how I should be in a different way than I am. But kind of really taking, maybe taking each day a moment where you just recollect the beauty of your life, the beauty of your practice, and not in terms of me and how great I am, but wow, this is this is actually happening. Here I am right now. Is there anything that I can really appreciate? Is there anything right now that that I don't want to dismiss? And there are so many moments in our lives where we just walk over that. Where it's just not, it's not, it's just not something really fantastic or terrible or mediocre. It's, it's just there. Can we see it? I think the easiest to come really closer to it is when we really just come back to this present moment. What is there? What is there unfolding right now? Can I can I be open with that? Can I appreciate that? Can I value it? Can I value that I'm actually able to connect with this moment, to connect with what is happening here right now in my heart and also in the field around me? And practicing generosity. Like share your practice or the insights of your practice with others. Well, I don't mean in a way of going around and teaching everybody Buddhism. <laughs> that, <laughs> I don't think that's, that's quite the right way. But sharing the blessings of your practice with others. It's like sharing your contentment, share, sharing your joy, sharing your understanding of life, your understanding of your place in life with others. That's what I like to give you with on your way. And I wish you all very well. Yes. Yeah, finding that's also I basically would echo those sentiments, finding ways to to um keep the keep the Dhamma in mind, to keep the the, the beauty of the heart, um stay in touch with it, even if the heart doesn't feel beautiful, 
but to find that, that place where we can take refuge in the present moment so that whatever's happening, we, we, we have a way to be with it. And um, so Ajahn Mehta saying uh, about the present moment is really the, you know, the key for me as well, is because is, uh, we can go away from these experiences and, um, and then they become a memory and we have a memory of how we were and, and what it was like, but it, it's just a memory, unless we're, you know, we're, we're, we're staying in touch with something now. So the, those, the teachings that, that we've um, been hearing and reflecting on about refuge and recollection of, of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, or recollection of goodness and, 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 and beauty, that which is uh, valuable, which we might normally overlook, these are really skillful ways, you know, if we, if we make a practice of doing this, to stay in touch with that part of us that can, can practice now. And the, and the word practice is one of these words that we've, we've taken in, in the, the transmission of Buddhism to the West. Bambwana is the Pali word probably is mostly uh, translated by practice, which means kind of cultivation, like a, like a garden. And so that's an, a, a, an image that I find very, very valuable, very useful, because sometimes the word practice, it sounds like, um, uh, it, it, it is good in the sense that it's like, well, I have to practice and I get it wrong, and then I keep practicing, keep practicing, and you just keep applying yourself, and that's very much a, a part of it. But in terms of like the practice or the path, it sounds like something I'm doing, like I need to, to practice to get someplace else, to get into my, you know, the wise part of my own heart, to free myself, I need to do it. And the word cultivation or bhavana is, you know, it gives me the image of a garden where you're, you're, you, you, if you plant the seed of something that's going to grow, like a tree, then you don't you don't have to do the growing of it. You just make sure that the soil has enough compost and the, there's enough water and the weeds that come up to take the water away, like the attention that we give, say if the water is our attention, you take the weeds away and so renunciation comes into it. It's about preparing the conditions for, for freedom to arise and for love to, to, um, to manifest. And, and that's a very helpful image for me because it's, it's one that, that comes from a, an assumption that actually sort of freedom and, and, and okayness, you know, love is already there. It's not something that's not there that we have to practice to get. We, our practice is the cultivation of a garden where you, you just make sure the conditions are right so that what's naturally ready to grow can grow. And cultivate the conditions in that way, and, and uh, the key again for, for that I that I find most useful when trying to keep this going, trying to stay with with uh, what it means to have refuge, um, is present moment. You know, it's, it's I have my ideas of of myself, my life, my practice, so and so. I have my memories of this retreat or other retreats or other times. I have expectations for the future, but always, it's always right now. It's about how am I now with this? And the Buddha's given us this teaching and, and, a, and a tradition which has held it through the centuries that allow any of us to come at it from wherever we are. So we don't need to become monks and nuns. We don't even need to call ourselves Buddhists. We, it's about life and the experience of, of life in, in consciousness and, and that's something all of us share and, and these teachings then become uh, something which you know, allows us to find a way for ourselves, you know, to discover for ourselves what does it mean, how do we, how do we, how do we cultivate freedom, how do we cultivate love. Those are a few words.
So at this time, uh, um, you've probably got the messages about bringing pens and paper in. So uh, this is the time when to spend uh, a few minutes as it takes just to bring to mind something you'd like to uh, dedicate to or someone you'd like to dedicate to. You know, people who live in our minds and hearts, someone you'd like to dedicate, offer your heart to, your practice to at this time. Write them down with any kind of wish or uh, reflection that is meaningful to you. You might also put there something you'd like to let go of, let pass, finish with, enough of. So you want to just, you know, tired of that old story. <laughs> you might want to put that down. Uh, and, or anything you want to, like, sense of a vowel that you want to make to yourself. Any kind of resolution you want to make to yourself. So this is the, think of it in those terms, because you gather all these, it just helps to frame up one's mind in, the, in this uh, special time. And if you write all those down, and then when we, uh, <coughs> later on we'll give a blessing, and there'll be a, a collective uh, a collective blessing, and then we'll take uh, these, we'll take your sheets of paper out, and then we'll commit them to the flames. We'll have a little fire outside, commit them to the flames while we do some chanting. You can, of course, just keep it. If you want to keep it, as a reminder, you can do that too. So does everyone have a piece of paper? Then the uh, dutiful yogi is uh, <laughs> carrying it around for anyone who doesn't. So just spend, take a few moments and, uh, and let things flow.
So we're going to um, take this piece and into a thread, make a thread, and the beginning of the thread will be this thread, uh, and it's a sense of connecting to the refuge. And threads are generally made of, of morality, meditation, and, and wisdom. That's the threading of it. And is it linked? Okay, good. And um, naturally, we also thread with our voices. So we'll chant the Buddha's words on loving kindness is uh, uh, the appropriate way in which we we thread together. Yeah. And then when we have completed that, then we're going to form a uh, a walking thread. <laughs> We'll start to process around the hall uh, together as a as a, a thread, and uh, I'll explain that. So what that what that is, is it you'll, you'll have to rearrange your your cushions so there's enough room to walk in between each each row. So you people at the front need to come forward. You can you can get rid of the middle gangway and. Uh, or whatever, but essentially you need to create more space. So you can imagine you, you're going to walking a thread that moves in front of each cushion, then loops back behind, and then loops through the hall like this. Yeah. So we need to create walk, walking paths in between the, the cushion, rows of cushions. Yeah, no, we need some room at the front there. Yeah, so we, we've got a better. We've, yeah, we've got a better walk at the front row and then cycle around. Some of you have done this before, been with this before. So enough room to walk between the rows of cushions. People in chairs on the side. If you if you move, we can get around you. If you see what I mean. If you if you kind of move in from the wall, so we can get we can circle around you. And uh, so as we walk around, we'll be we'll be kind of sharing blessings with each and every one who's here. That's that's the theme. And we're learning to thread and intermingle. It gets slightly chaotic, so we're going to human it. <laughs> And well, uh, so as you rearrange yourselves, we'll we'll begin with the paying respects to the Buddha, Thumb of the Sangha, and then we'll begin with the Buddha's words on loving kindness. Blessed one, the Lord, who fully attained perfect enlightenment, to the teaching which he expounded so well, and to the blessed 
blessed ones, disciples who have practiced well. To these, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, we render with offerings our rightful homage. It is well for us and the blessed one, having attained liberation, still had compassion for later generations. May these simple offerings be accepted for our long-lasting benefit and for the happiness it gives us. The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and blessed one, I render homage to the Buddha, the blessed one. Teaching so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The blessed one's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha. Pay preliminary homage to the Buddha. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Chanted in Pali and then in English. Nana, 
นานิมันเยจักการจินังกินจิายาโรสนาปฏิกสัญญายมัญญาสุกัิเยมตายนาิยมปตังยุสเอกบนตมนุราเกวังวิสาบุตรสมานัสมาวัยอปาริมานเมนัญจสาบโลกสมิมานัสวัยอปาริมานโมนัมมโดยเจริญญาณัมมานัมรามัสบานัเนนัญญนิสโนวาสยานโนวายาวัตสวิกาตเมโนเอนัมนเดมเดเตยมรามเมตังวินารังอิจมาุเดเนจนาบกามเสียลวตาสเนนสัมปานุนามเมสวินยเกตังไนจานุกาสเยันบนเรทีโซ่ complete um, is this session with the uh, snake, and the snake is uh, a way of uh, passing a, passing amongst each other and forming forming a line, 
I guess they used to call it the conga in the old days. <laughs> so what this means is we'll start a particular mantra which will invite you all to, to pick up as you can. It's quite easy. It's the four Brahma-viharas, Metta, Karuna, Mudita, Upeka. So we'll just start that. And then the three of us will descend from this podium and... Uh, carrying the water and the threads and uh, so we'll just start to process along the line along the front of the cushions and snaking backwards and forwards and as we pass by you and you you get a lust you get a little sprinkling of water as a blessing water then Ajahn Metta will give you a string you know so then as that happens then you you join on the tail of the snake. So obviously if there's 15 people on that, you, you join on the end of that. So the snake gradually grows from three to 103. And eventually it becomes quite a, quite a large snaky thing, snaking around the room, uh, bestowing blessings in all directions. Uh, and then as we... This gets it gets slightly chaotic, <laughs> but uh, we're hoping that uh, uh, a pied piper will appear, will manifest, and summon us out through this. And we'll try to process out through the, this exit, trying to keep our line more or less. And then we'll go out through the dumb, through the dining hall. Yeah, so you need to pick up your footwear, uh, and, and then go out through the dining hall. We'll go out to a place where there's a uh, a steel or metal receptacle where we can um, light light a little fire and then you can put your papers on the fire I mean it's a way of transmitting it to the to the ether so then you can kind of bring forth your blessings to all and sundry when as we get out there clear enough all right, the string. So when you have your string, then uh, after the, uh, the, 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 the proceedings are over, then you can start to buddy up with people and you can tie strings on each other's wrists. Yeah. So it's a sense of like, you know, recognizing and that sense of which we, we affirm each other. You know, rather than to affirm ourselves, <laughs> so it's a sense of mutual recognition of our of your of our commitment to practice. We mutually recognise each other with that. Okay, Does that makes sense. So we'll just run it and see what happens. Here. <laughs>